Hey friends, here's the content warning. There are some real-life weapon noises fired by yours truly. As usual, there's cussing in this episode. Shit gets real for POC. And there are hunting trips described. So there is violence against animals and actually also violence against people today too. Take care and listen when you're ready. We don't call it fear of going outside for nothing. My family, as many of you know, came to America in 1980 because there was a bounty on my dad's head by the communist government in Vietnam. Back then, and still, honestly, there was a lot of anti-immigrant and a lot of anti-Asian sentiment. So walking home from work at his factory job, he'd periodically get jumped by a gang of racists. My dad was military. He knew so much about violence that when he forged a fake identity to evade authorities, he got a job as a good communist boxing instructor at the state school where he met my mom. And people were just like, wow, he is so good at boxing. This is not suspicious at all. So his first year in America, these racist guys would try to beat him up. Vietnamese fugitive dads are not chatty about the past, okay? He was only telling me because he wanted me to know that when, not if, when you get jumped by a bunch of races, as we do in America, to always fight with my legs. Because for some silly reason, these white guys won't fight with their legs. My dad couldn't understand for the life of him why, and he went to the grave with that mystery unsolved. I am still dying to know why. So every time I get to know a white, because I do have white friends, okay? I know y'all think I don't, but I do. Y'all know Hale, my best white friend from season one. And also my friend, John, if you know John from Texas, Every time I get close to a person who knows about violence, I would tell them this story and ask, do you know about this cultural difference? Do you know why these people who look like you wouldn't have used their legs, even in a literal no-holds-barred fight? And every person I've asked has had different theories. One martial artist told me about how his parents wouldn't let him go to the only Taekwondo school in his town because of Asian hate at the time. So he thought that xenophobia might have something to do with it. Uh, Another told me that his granddad taught him that men fight with their fists, and he thinks it was something that was learned in the Navy. I haven't found anyone who knows authoritatively yet, but the reason why I'm telling you all this is because, well, if you know, send me a note on fogopodcast.com. But also, really, the moral of my story is people a lot of times have no idea why they started doing things the way they do, especially if it's from tradition, for lack of a better term. So they can't explain it to you. And the only way to understand is for you to walk a mile in their shoes. Last season, that mile took me to a campsite in Central Texas. And today, it's going to take me on a little archery journey. I'm Ivy Lee with One E, and you're listening to Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, where I am going to do everything it takes to figure out how to go hunting. So far... I've tried to track down real hunters to take me on a hot air balloon hog hunting trip. I went to a shop where no one hunts and the guns were too expensive, so I went on a Second Amendment talk radio show to try to get a rifle. To no avail! I tried to get hooked up with land through the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, and now I have failed several online hunter education courses. But along the way, I met some bow hunters. On today's episode, I try out archery, and hopefully it gets me out hunting.
weeks have turned into months now, and we still don't have a place to hunt or weapons to hunt with. And people who want to help us are starting to worry that we're running out of time. I'm worried too. Even though you're allowed to hunt pigs all year round, it turns out even outdoor people don't want to do it in the Texas summer heat. So after meeting three different hunters who said they prefer bow hunting, even though they also hunt with guns, I decide to look into bows myself. Mariah, with her boom mic, and I go to an independently owned sporting goods store west of Austin called Sportsman's Finest. The store has a hunting lodge theme, even when we're not there recording. There's rifles all along the wall and fishing shirts as far as the eye can see. They're expecting us because we made an appointment for an archery lesson. Do you want to just introduce yourself? Sure, absolutely. My name is Josh Rickman, and I'm the manager here at Sportsman's Finest for the archery department. I'm also the head archery coach. And today I'm going to teach, what was your name? I'm Ivy. Ivy. Today I'm going to teach Ivy a little bit about archery. Awesome. All right. Hopefully a lot about archery. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you teach me a lot? I can teach you a whole lot. <laughs> okay. Josh is dressed in hunter business casual, jeans and a camo button-down shirt. He looks like a nice guy on his way to class at Texas A&M. I'm guessing you're going to want to use a compound bow. But this does not look like what I thought we were. This does not look like a bow. It almost a little like, space agey, right? Like this came out of like some sort of sci-fi um, video game or yeah, something. Yeah, either like ancient horror, or, ancient torture, or like future sci-fi. <laughs> but like, what would it be in the future? I have no idea what it would be in the future. Uh, I don't know, some way to hunt aliens. The archery department. It looked like a xenomorph's weapons cache because compound bows are not Cupid's or Robin Hood's bows. They're made of high-tech aluminum or carbon fiber. And for hunting, they're usually all black or camo very aggressive. Unlike the parentheses-looking traditional bows, the compound bow has wheels acting as pulleys at each end, called cams, to amplify the force of the archer. And it is full of holes. I'm sure the holes are cut weight, but it makes them look like the pods in the Matrix. The way this bow works is a whole lot, whole lot more simple. All we're doing when we pull that string back is pulling the limbs back, and they'll store that energy and then release it. Mm -hmm. So rule number one of archery is we never pull one of these back and let it go without an arrow in it. Okay. Okay, that's called the dry fire, and it will probably break the bow. Um, in the official Hoyt manual, it says it will violently disassemble itself. <laughs> it's a great way to put it. Parts typically come off of these things in all sorts of directions when we do that. So dry fire is an absolute no. Okay. Okay. The whole point of inventing the bow and arrow was to convert the force of a puny human's muscles into a speeding sharp arrow that can pierce an animal's skin and vital organs. Or it was to murder neighboring tribes remotely. We don't really know the origin story, but we know the physics story. When you draw back a bowstring, the bow's limbs bend and that bow is tense with potential energy. When we release a string, all that energy is released as kinetic energy in the arrow flying through the air and the bow itself goes back to zero energy. But if you dry fire a bow, if you pull and release that string without an arrow loaded, the energy bounces around the bow's parts with nowhere to go but to violently disassemble in your face. So now you know why one should never, ever, ever dry fire a bow. Okay, well, let's get you measured. The first thing we need to do. Measured, okay. Yeah, we have to measure your draw length. We're gonna just measure you fingertip to fingertip. And we're gonna see. Yeah, the one that I'm thinking is probably gonna work well for you is gonna be one of these dudes right here. 
This is by Diamond Archery and it's called an Infinite 305 and it's an awesome place to get started in archery. I've uh, gotten a whole lot of people set up with these, seen a whole lot of people kill their first deer, their first hog or something like that with this setup. It's gonna oh, work okay. really well for you too. Okay, awesome. So we've got it in black or camo. Which would you oh. prefer? I know, tough choices, right? Yeah, I think let's go for black for now. The blacked out, yeah. All right. A little more versatile color. Yeah, and you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna notice too. There's a whole lot more going on on this bow. Yeah. Than on the recurve bows, it has a sight on it. Well, the recurve bows do not have a sight. Oh. Yeah. This really does feel expensive. Okay, let's yeah. go. <laughs> let's do it. So let me see what it's set at right now. So on compound bows, we have to adjust the draw length to fit you. So let's head back over here to my little workshop area. Getting a bow is an extremely custom-fitted affair, which is so much better than when I was trying to fit a one-size-fits-most mummy sleeping bag. The draw weight is adjustable. The draw length is adjustable. There are even different arrow tips for different purposes. For me, a woman who lies about her weight and her height on her ID, customizing my tools has never been a luxury. It's what I have to do if I want to be a killer. And getting this custom-fitted bow, it makes me feel powerful. It feels very much like I'm on some alien SEAL Team 6 shit, like I serve at the pleasure of the great General Janelle Monet. Uh, feathers on this. These are called veins. The fletching is a, a plastic vein when we're shooting a compound bow most of the time because we want it to be stiffer um, because it has to go through these little... Um, what is this? Yeah, yeah. It has to go through. It's like a hairy hole. What's the, what's the hairy <laughs> it's hole? It's called a whisker biscuit, actually. Um, That's even more profane than what I was thinking. I know, right? Like there was some marketing meeting at some point in time. They're like, "Hey, we have this new archery rest, and it works really well. What are we going to call it?" And some dude was like, "A whisker biscuit." I know what all you nasty people are thinking: vagina. And you're wrong, because a whisker biscuit looks more like a cervix. The whisker biscuit is a thick ring of bristles around the arrow rest. It looks like an Oreo cookie without the cream filling. The bristles are clustered tightly to keep the arrow from falling off the bow when you're waiting to fire, but it's easily penetrable by an arrow. So it is very ionic, and the arrows are very phallic, and I am not ashamed of my anatomy, but I don't know how much longer Josh can talk about this before getting fired, and I just want to learn everything he can teach me about hunting. So my, my grandfather actually owns some property in Blanco, kind of out in the hill country, real, real pretty place, and he's got enough land that we could hunt on out there, and my family did hunt with rifles. Um, I wouldn't by any means call them super avid hunters, it was mostly just something to do around Thanksgiving and Christmas when we were up there anyway. But I had a place to go at least. And I loved archery, so I wanted to try it with a bow. So you, you had been, you started hunting with like a guns first yes, I with did. your family? Yeah, I, you know, I shot my first deer with a rifle when I was like seven. But you have to understand, I'm, I'm like sitting in my grandfather's lap and he's like helping me hold the rifle kind of thing. I didn't really shoot a deer on my own until I was about 15. They're like, all right, well, you know, you know gun safety, here's your rifle, you know, go out and try to kill a deer. Um, and I should say too, you know, of course we had hunting licenses and all that, we, you know, we went legally hunting. I don't think <laughs> my seven-year-old is ready to own a Nerf gun without pointing it in someone's face. That's probably true. I mean, like, you give somebody a Nerf gun, it's the first thing they want to do. Like, I, I know gun safety and I shoot people with Nerf guns. Like, you, you can't be blamed for in the that. Face. Yeah, of course. Where else would you shoot them? <laughs> he's been watching. He really wants a Nerf gun, but yeah. I'm cheap and they're expensive. And he's watching me take these hunter education courses online. Yeah. And he's just watching the gun safety lessons. And I'm like, can you do this with your Nerf gun? Or are you just going to forget 
yeah, everything. Yeah. <laughs> like get a hold of it instantaneously. Be like, all right, mom, this is it. <laughs> Like, that's why my seven-year-old doesn't have a But you were a seven-year-old, they are like, shoot this deer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had some help, like like I said. But yeah, it was basically like, well, you're seven, let's go shoot a deer. You just need your grandfather as a booster seat. Basically, yeah. I was 19 when I killed my first deer with a bow. Um, so this whole time, for like five years, every time you shoot an animal with a gun, you're like, I sure wish this was a bow. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and then at 18, I decided I wasn't shooting anymore with a rifle. I was only going to shoot one with a bow. Well, I didn't kill one that season because hunting is really hard compared to hunting with a rifle. So what's the difference? Why do you feel so committed to the bow versus the rifle? So for In one, hunting? Yeah. For, for one, you have to be a lot closer. Um, so that makes it more challenging, but in a way it makes it a lot more fun. And it makes you learn about the animals a lot more. You know, for, with a rifle, you can shoot a deer easily. 100 yards away or more. It's the length of a football field or even better. And at that distance, deer can't really hear you all that well. They can't really smell you all that well unless the winds really rip in that direction. And so, honestly, you don't have to be very good, you know, to, to shoot a deer with a rifle. Um, sorry, all you rifle hunters out there, but that's my take on it. It's so interesting to hear Josh compare the pros and cons of gun versus bow hunting. Just the other day, some guys told me I need an AR-15 to take down hogs. And then a bunch of other guys told me I don't even need a firearm. I feel everyone is pretty sure they're right, but that just means everybody might be wrong. It's hard to know whose advice to take about a topic when I know nothing about it. And the only way to fact check them is to go out in the woods. Sometimes I think hunters get kind of a bad rap of being kind of that jump to anger type people. And really... Really, I think there's a bunch of people who, I think I found a lot of those, uh, I, I found hunters to be pretty chill so far. It's yeah. the, um, the gun people who don't hunt. Oh, dude, those are the worst. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> here, we are, here we are in a shop that sells a lot of guns. No, I have lots of guns myself, too, but... But most people uh, here buy them to hunt, I would assume, because no, of the hunting stuff here. No, around no? here in Lakeway, the majority of them are, like, collectors and just shooters, or we call them tactabros. They want to be tactical. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Is that a thing? Is it too late for FOGO to trademark that? <laughs> No, you know, like, come on, man. Like, we've got a, a body armor and a helmet in there that's all, like, actual bulletproof, etc. Which, don't get me wrong, it's cool, but, like, when are you ever going to use that, man? Like, come on, let's Jack be honest. Jackalope attack? Well, let's be honest. I don't know. Like, uh, I've put it all on for photo shoots and stuff for the shop, and it is very uncomfortable. Um, 10 out of 10 would not wear it around just for the heck of it. Like, Do people wear it around for the heck of it? Sometimes you go like shooting ranges and there'll be guys like, yeah, I'm in my armor just in case, you know, train the way you fight. And like, what have you ever fought? <laughs> Maybe a couple too many boxes of Twinkies, but I don't think you've, you know, nah, dude. If you want to come buy some body armor, come to Austin and visit Josh at Sportsman's Finest, I guess. Josh finishes custom fitting my alien bow and we go outside to test it on the one lane range they have out back. We're gonna have to do seven steps pretty much every single time. Seven? Yeah, and it seems like a lot, it's really not that many. Okay. Okay. The first thing is I our feel stance. Like I can give you five. Okay. You can give me five? Yeah. You probably can, but you, you may not be as accurate as you wanna be. Okay. 
I encourage you, dear reader, to try this literally wherever you are right now. Turn 90 degrees away from your target. Now, turn your neck to look at the thing you'd want to shoot. Lift your forward arm up and face your palm to the target, like the hand choreography in Beyonce's Single Ladies music video. Rotate your wrist maybe 45 degrees sideways because the bow itself actually rests on that web between your thumb and your pointer finger. Now, you wouldn't clench the bow with your whole hand. That would twist it. Just gently keep it steady by closing your pointer finger and your middle finger like you're going to make an obscene jerking off gesture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there. Keep the other fingers out like you're drinking tea with the queen and pull your other arm across your face like you're drawing the string. Stop when you can put your jawbone on that hand. If you were holding a real bow, the string would be touching your nose at this point. Now, straighten your back because it's good for you. So here's my steps. Okay. Webby over the fingers, but really it should be like Beyonce stops hands. Sure. Okay. Webby the finger. Look at the thing. Elbow out. Look at the thing. Pose to my nose. Hug the cheek meat. And relax. Your fingers go. Mm -hmm. While you're relaxing those fingers, keep the pressure keep with your back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One more time. We're building, okay. we're building muscle memory. Bougie fingers. Look at the thing. Chill. Clint. Pose to my nose. Looks really good. There we go. I'm doing pretty good, but my left nipple is getting clipped pretty hard by the arrows fletching, and my arm is getting tired from holding the bow so long. Between the weight of the bow itself and the draw weight, I'm repeatedly rowing about 30 pounds with my arms and my back. And I I have the body of a stand-up comedian. Standing and talking at the same time is the usual extent of my physical performance. We take a water break, and Josh tries to understand indoor people, which I don't think an outdoor person has ever attempted on this show before. So what do you do for fun? Like, what, what's like your idea of fun? So my idea of fun is like dinner parties, salsa dancing. I mean, any kind of dancing, really, for the most part, like indoors. Uh, art exhibitions, go to fashion shows. <laughs> I like to, I like illegal street racing periodically. <laughs> pool. I, okay, I did. Okay, we, we jumped some, <laughs> some lines there. Fashion shows, illegal street racing, okay. You know. Like, I feel like really fun cars are just like these perfect little portable indoor spaces. Yeah. I the, love pictures of the outside. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate photography mm -hmm. <laughs> of the outside. Of the, I don't think I need to experience it in 4D. Oh. Do you know? <laughs> because if people who go and take these photographs like have to go through so much yeah. And I feel like I've been through enough. We are not able to bridge the cultural divide between indoor and outdoor people while we hydrate. We do go back and shoot some more. Josh corrects my stance and I stop shooting my left nipple at close range. I even start hitting the target consistently. I decide we should just buy the bow today. Mariah and I have had so many land leads fall through from all over the state at this point. We cannot afford to not be ready when someone finally comes through and gives us permission to hunt. But of course, I asked Josh to give us a discount because I'm an Asian mom, baby! And we're gonna do 10% off the bow today. 
Help you all out a little bit. Thank you. Okay, so total $466.59, no, yeah, $466.59. Yes. Got you out a little under 500. Okay. And your autograph real quick. I can't believe it. I bought the alien compound bow. I have my zombie apocalypse weapon and I got it in budget with a discount so my ancestors and my descendants can feel proud of great-great-grandma Ivy who never paid full price for nothing. Now all I need to do is get really, really good at using it. After the break, I attempt to level up like Rocky. So, it turns out that Archery ranges are not open at the times when I feel like shooting shit, which is mostly Monday mornings and after my kids go to bed. I'm starting to worry that I won't be ready to hunt with my bow, so I look up archery conditioning exercises I can do at home. And guess what? It's all yoga. They don't call it yoga. They man it up, you know? Like, instead of getting your yoga block for support, you go get your foam target to assist. But basically, if you've ever done downward dog to warrior pose and you didn't have to go into baby pose, honey, you are ready to do archery. I also further customize my bow by sticking two Hello Kitty beads with press-on nail stickers right where my fingers are supposed to rest when I'm holding it in my Beyonce hands. I also do a lot of internet research to figure out if I need any other accessories for my whole Katniss moment. I do not want to look like a redneck because I am not going to appropriate their culture. But bad news, whenever you type in Asian archery or literally any ethnic group plus archery, it acts like we don't exist anymore and only historical ethnic archery group stuff comes up. But good news, these historical archery groups are full of super nerdy, super nice people who are extremely generous with their time and knowledge. In one of these historical Asian archery Facebook groups, I saw pictures of old Asian men in rural China shooting compound bows at a party. It didn't say which ethnic group this was, but it's obviously one where whenever they get together and start drinking, it turns into an archery contest. The Vietnamese version of this is gambling. Even baby showers break out into gambling in my family. So in these pictures, the drunk archers are all pulling the string in different ways from each other and different from the way Josh had taught me. And the commenters, who presumably know a lot about archery, were all asking, hey, what's this hold I'm seeing? What's that hold I'm seeing? And it made me realize that there are many, many, many more ways to shoot than what's standard here. And it gave me the confidence to make adaptations for what's right for my body. So finally, we have like one opening where I can go do some archery. And it turns out one of my really good friends is next door neighbors with a couple that owns an archery range and is in my neighborhood. So I make an appointment to go. Then, randomly, my comedy bestie, Rochelle McConico, she's huge on the comedy and improv scene here in Austin and also in New Orleans, she calls and says, do you want to go on a walk? She's always inviting me to go on walks. She likes being outside. I hate being outside, and she knows it. Literally, everybody knows it. So, of course, I say, no, absolutely not, but please keep inviting me because I like to hear your voice. But on this particular day, I say, no, but do you want to meet me at the archery range? Because it's outdoor inspired, but we're doing it inside. And what do you know? She actually comes. Have you ever shot a bow before? No, I've only ever shot a 20, 22 and a nine, but I've seen like some grandmas really had a the big old like assault rifles. I'm like, wow. Okay, grandma. They were probably pig hunting like me. 
So archery seems pretty cool. You know, I can do some Katniss shit. Yeah. We are gonna avenge Rue <laughs> in this bitch today. <laughs> it sounds like I'm talking with my mouth full because I brought us all Church's chicken to eat in the parking lot before we go in. When we finish, Mariah, Rochelle, and I walk in and meet Lisa, who walks us to the range. My name is Lisa Vanderkolk. I am one of the owner's wives, and we are at Archery Country. All right, girls. The range is a big indoor warehouse space with animal heads Lisa taxidermied on the walls. There are a few guys also practicing in their own lanes as we settle in. Lisa has one of the employees give us the standard safety talk before we get going. Customarily, it is a call and response system of clear when it's good to shoot, pull when it's time for everyone to collectively pull their arrows from the targets, right? Um, while anyone is shooting at any given time, you are always going to stay at least behind this line, right? Basically, what I'm planning to do today is try and teach back to Rochelle what I think I learned from Josh. And Lisa is going to be here and make sure that we don't air something that is completely wrong. Okay, so do you want to shoot just so you can get the feel and then we'll like start? Yeah. Then how do I take this guy off? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was real anti-climate. <laughs> so with those types of bows, there's no real like you stop at this point. You just pull. Aren't they aren't they not allowed to mansplain at this range? I feel like I read that on the rules of the website. <laughs> Got oh, <yeah>. it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Rochelle, with just a quick overview and instinct, was able to fire the bow, but it didn't go too far. So a few of the guys at the range started giving her advice from across the room. Mm. They did not present their credentials and they stopped us from practicing, which if you've never been, practice is the whole point of being at a range. Oh. <laughs> that was awesome, Rachel. There's some, there's some firepower. Yeah. Cool. There's some firepower there. Okay, go pull your arrows out. Okay. The thing that I did to remember is, um, you know, the single lady's Beyonce hand? Like, it's all the single ladies. So it's really like that and then like that. Instead of like squeezing, just like single ladies hands. Beyonce hands. Okay. Ooh, I like that. Beyonce hands. Okay, Beyonce hands like that. Okay, pull post my nose. Look, Beyonce hands. Beyonce hands. Beyonce hands. Whoa, much better. Okay. Yeah. Much closer. Rochelle is loving this. She's actually having a lot of fun. She tells me she actually really enjoys that peaceful part where you make your mind rest before you let go of the bow, which feels like such a Josh thing to say, but Rochelle said it. Like, what are different poses? Because oh, I'm not just gonna yeah. be standing like at a range, right? I got my trophy this year. So what, wonderful. do you remember what position you were standing in when you shot it? I was sitting. You were sitting? Mm-hmm. I'm always sitting when I shoot. I learned from my online hunting courses that even gun hunters will hunt from various positions. Sometimes they'll lie down on their stomachs, for example. Prone is what they call that. It makes me realize that when I'm hunting with this bow, I'm going to have to try different positions. And I'm super surprised to find out that Lisa sits. I don't know. I didn't think there was going to be a whole lot of sitting in hunting. I try shooting from an Asian squat so I could be close to the ground without losing mobility but I met with a chorus of side-eye and skepticism. I can get you a chair if you want to practice sitting. No, I'm going to do that. This is the chair Squatting. of my people. 
That's not gonna work for you. It might not work for you. This is the chair of my people. Oh, you're that's okay. No. Ooh, okay, that? so look at you. <laughs> Rochelle is laughing for the both of us. You don't hear me react because I'm super smug about it, but in my squat, in my Chinese tenement housing squat, I lost zero efficacy in my grouping of arrows versus when I was standing. I have anointed the space with the spirit of my ancestors, so now I take some time to do experiments. Rochelle, Lisa, and I start flying with reps, and that's when I realize that I actually can't touch my nose with the bow and hold my cheek meat at the same time. I have a face for radio, but I don't have a face for archery, apparently. I have to pick just one, and it turns out for me, the nose is more important for accuracy. Ladies, bench, 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 twerk, twerk, twerk. Now arch. Now arch. <laughs> Now slide, baby. <laughs> <laughs> we want this guy working on ladies' night. Somebody tell Lisa. <laughs> yes, right. right, now we got archery down, so all the men are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally got some reps in. I wasn't as bad as I thought I was going to be after all that time not doing it. Rochelle had a great time. It was lovely to meet Lisa. And we managed to get about two hours of practice in with only a little bit of mansplaining. I feel confident in my weapon choice because I didn't really have another choice. Mariah and I rushed out of the archery range, though, to go take a Zoom meeting with hunter and outdoor reporter Nicole Caltiari. Nicole randomly found Fogo in season one and wrote an amazing review of it for an outdoor person. She is also one of many individual outdoorsy people who reached out after season one to say, hey, how can I help get you and people like you access the outdoors? She's all the way in Montana, so I don't know how she can help, but I still don't have a place to hunt. I don't have a mentor to teach me, and I only got to practice with my bow one time. I will entertain any offer of help I can get. You know, I've been working for Gear Junkie for four years now as their hunt and fish editor, and everything that I do is geared around getting people outside, making sure they're comfortable, educating people on how to be ethical hunters and anglers and, um, you know, hopefully being an open door to the outdoors. Well, we have, um, I thought there were a lot of barriers to camping. Uh, trying to go hunting has been a shit show, Nicole. <laughs> I do know that the barriers exist and I do know that it's still a very like narrow-minded, small-minded space in a lot of places. So if I can open the door for you, like I want to be able to do that. What's your timeline? So we either have to get hunting in May or we're going to not be able to hunt until fall. And then if we can't go hunt until fall, because it's just punishingly hot here in the summer, I, we just got back from my first practice with my new bow. <laughs> um, are you, are you against using a gun and I have zero judgment around that. I'm just asking you. We are not against. We could not get one. We I tried to borrow. We obviously it's not legal to rent and take out. We could not find one for under a thousand dollars. Okay. There are definitely really really good guns out there for under a thousand dollars. So or hunt with someone who has a gun that you can borrow. The problem with hunting with a gun that somebody 
like like there i think people would if they were like literally there with me on the hunt they probably would let me like borrow it once to you know but then i can't practice with it i almost think that it would be better to wait until fall if you like have a chance i i think you can go hunting now i would say go on the hunt on public land take your bow you might get, you might get lucky but you'll probably end up like learning a lot right like you find the game trails and you find feces <laughs> like you in hunting we spend a lot of time with poop it's like a very weird and normal thing for us um and like even just getting used to the idea of like walking out in the woods before sunrise right like that is a very intimidating thing and that honestly that keeps a lot of people out of the woods so oh um, no the before sunrise is not going to be a thing we're not doing that after nicole bless her heart tries to talk me into going hunting before the sun, the sun which never sleeps, I feel everything I've been experiencing, all my frustration just come pouring out of me. The the knowledge is gatekept by white people, predominantly white men. And so I have to learn it because it's kind of the only access point that I have that's like all there is. But I have to learn it with a grain of salt, knowing that just because they think that's all there is doesn't mean they're all that is all there is. I, I mean, I'm still mastering the draw that I that I learned from the people here who know. But I knew that I didn't have to position like them just because they didn't know how to do something doesn't mean that it can be done. And so I went and we were talking about like, well, how what are some realistic positions for when you actually have to hunt? You're not always just going to be able to like stand there. Right. And like hunt in that standing position. Totally. Yeah. So the woman that we were practicing with, so she will, she always sits. And so I was like, okay. And so I just squatted. Generally speaking, white people are not able to squat the way that I can squat. And, and she was like, oh no, that's not going to work. And it was like, and it totally did. <laughs> and I'm like, see, like, I think that's like a beautiful realization, like this really poetic beauty in hunting and that like, you are the owner of your experience and that like you get to decide whether you pull the trigger or not. Mm -hmm. And however that looks for you, whether it's squatting or pulling with a different draw weight or like doing whatever you feel comfortable with Ivy is going to make you a more capable hunter. Mariah is listening this whole time and comes up with a great Google search to find ethnic archers who are still alive. I looked up like Vietnamese Olympic archers just uh-huh. to see what their draws look like. Uh-huh. They don't come back to the side of the face. They come like to the front of the face so that your nose does touch, but it's almost like in the middle of your chin. That's that's what we, Mariah, that literally just, Nicole, this happened, right? The way that the person taught me, because like, here's here's how different our faces are. I can't buy glasses from Warby Parker because my entire face is only like an inch deep. So my, our faces are really different. So you're taught to draw to your your index finger to the corner of your mouth and to touch the string to your nose, right? Nobody who, uh, they they all taught me that exact same thing, okay? It didn't occur mm-hmm. to anybody that I can't, I physically cannot do that. So today, the first time that I was like kind of on my own, just straight up re- doing reps, right? Doing reps. Yeah. I physically cannot do both. If I have to give up one, I give up the cheek meat and I and I go with my nose, okay. which is what Mariah is seeing in these pictures. So like the change of depth won't allow you to touch your nose and your cheek at the same time. Well, it's it's literally because face shapes are totally different. I'm looking at like a bunch of specifically Asian women archers and it's like the noses are different. Like almost all of these women are drawing to like the the middle of their mouths 
And they're still using the eye and there's like a slant to the face, but it's not coming all the way back. It's like, it's just coming to the tip of the nose so that it's like, this one girl is like all the way up smushing her mouth and she's an Olympic like <laughs> level archer. Anyway, wild. The other thing I wanted to say is that the Hmong people, the Laotians are like really well known in the American hunting community for being unbelievable hunters of small game and everything. Seriously. Yeah. So if you look up Hmong hunters in the United States, they are incredible anglers, incredible hunters. And oftentimes there's like these cultural differences that happen that end up rendering them as poachers just because they don't understand like the the differences in hunting here and hunting in Laos. It's pretty amazing. And like actually like a lot of the states have made Hmong regulations in their language to help them like become, you know, more educated in like how we do wildlife management here in the U.S. So like as far as like Asian communities go, I know that the Hmong community is pretty well known in the hunting world as being really skilled and gifted hunters, if that's helpful. You know what's really fucked up? I So I just started to Google Hmong hunter mm-hmm. and here are the top results like that auto populate. Yeah. Hmong hunter killed Chai Vang. Hmong Hunter Killed 2018, Hmong Hunter Killed 2020, Hmong Hunter Wisconsin 2014, Hmong Hunter Killed in Iowa, Hmong Hunter Killed in Michigan, Hmong Hunter Minnesota, Hmong Hunter Shot. That is not what I was expecting to autopopulate. Hmong are a minority group in Southeast Asia who don't really have a nation. They're indigenous to China, but they're scattered all over Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Laos, and Thailand. They came to America as refugees at about the same time that my parents did, and for similar reasons. I was already pretty full of rage last episode, learning how indigenous and Black Americans have been disenfranchised from their relationship to land here, and how that is often still, to this day, violently enforced. A few months before this call with Nicole, a Black man named Peter Spencer went on a hunting trip with his co-workers in Pennsylvania. When his beloved went to go pick him up in the morning, he was dead. This still happens. It's the real reason why a lot of people are scared to go into the woods. It feels lawless. Or at least... It feels like the law isn't there to protect everyone. I can't pretend anymore that the history is history with hunting. With camping, it was like, yeah, these parks used to be segregated. You know, you couldn't get to them without going through a sundown town. And that's why come 77% of national park visitors today are white. But that's in the past. I saw a bunch of BIPOC influencers say we can go outside now. There's a case of a monk hunter being shot practically every year. It's something I have to keep in mind now as I go into the woods with strangers with guns that practically every hunting season, some guy who looks like my dad is going to get shot in the woods. And all these hunter ed courses say that hunting is safer than bowling. I don't really know what to do with that right now. I mean, I guess historically what I've done is that I just stay my ass indoors and I don't go bowling either. 
but I promised y'all I'd go hunting. Or die trying. <sighs> so I guess that's what I'm gonna do, one or the other. <sighs> I don't really want to go alone, though. I mean, I didn't before, but now I really don't want to. I just wanted to make a funny nature show, y'all. Why does hunting have to be so racist? Next time on FOGO, I keep trying to find a mentor. I'm going to find one who understands what I'm feeling right now. I'm going to go to the hardest to reach places in the world and find hunters there to learn from. Because it can't be any harder than getting a good old boy in Oklahoma to show you his favorite deer spots. There's like not a lot of sharing, a lot of gatekeeping. Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, is a Spotify SoundUp series and was workshopped as part of the Spotify SoundUp Podcast Accelerator Program. Fogo is written, produced, and hosted by me, Ivy Lee. We are produced and edited by Mariah Gossett. Engineering, mixing, and additional sound design by Robin Edgar. Our theme song and original music are composed by Michelangelo Rodriguez. Story editing by Minda Wei. Production support by Benjamin Groza Zistrup. Fogo's board of advisors is Jeff Zhao and Martin Thomas. From Spotify, our executive producers are Miguel Contreras, Grace Delia, Jane Zumwalt, and Natalie Tolk. Spotify production support by Shirley Ramos, and special thanks to the rest of the Spotify team. Listen to Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, for free on Spotify. You can follow me on just about every social media platform at Ivy Lee with one E, that phrase all spelled out. And you can see behind the scenes pictures on Fogo's Instagram at Fogo Podcast. Go to FogoPodcast.com for the newsletter and transcripts, which Minda works really hard on. I'm literally buying a camo onesie on NordstromRack.com <laughs> for my hunting trip. For your hunting trip, I'll have to get one just so that I can, you know, fit in with y'all. <laughs> Would overalls okay. work? Is that good? Overalls or onesies. Okay. Do I have to wear it with a crop top though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you've got the body for it from archery, I guess. <laughs>